Welcome to the Show Me Institute podcast. I'm Zach Lawhorn from Show Me Opportunity, and today I'm joined by Susan Pennegrass, Elias Chapellis, and David Stokes from Show Me Institute. Susan, it's February now. We've been in session for a month in Jefferson City. How are things going? Are things moving slower, faster, not at all? What's your take after the first month? Um, you know, I'm hearing a lot about Republican gridlock in Jefferson City. I will say on the education bills that I'm following, there have been a couple of hearings last this week. Actually, the weather um, derailed at least one hearing. But some things that the Show Me Institute would like to see passed, uh, number one, fixing the charter school funding glitch or the fiscal cliff that Kansas City is facing, Kansas City charter schools, whereby uh, charter schools in Kansas City share the Kansas City public school state funding, which does not go up. And it's not enough to cover all the charter school students anymore. So that is that glitch is hopefully going to get fixed. It's been in the hearing and they voted it out. In addition, it uh, it fixes it, the glitch in Kansas City and anywhere else where there are charter schools. And it gives charter school students access to all the same sources of funding as non-charter school students, which of course should be the case. Um, so I'm hoping that that will move forward. But that's kind of like an, like an emergency. They need to do it. They've talked about it the last couple of years. So hopefully that'll happen. The other thing that I'm seeing some movement on is um, inter-district choice where students in one district could go to school in another district. There's a bill that was supposed to be heard this week. It's going to be heard next week. And um, basically, if you pay taxes in a school district. Let's say you live in the city of St. Louis, but you have an apartment or a condominium in Clayton. If you pay any property taxes, you can automatically send your child to Clayton. In addition, it would open up the whole state to inner district choice, whereby if districts agree to accept incoming students from other districts, um, then students can move around districts. And what I hope will happen with that, oddly, Desi has come out in support of it. Uh, what I hope will happen with that is that, um, especially at the high school level, parents will start to develop a mindset whereby at kindergarten, maybe sixth grade, maybe ninth grade, they'll think which of the schools in my area are would be the best. Um, high school students in particular in the rural areas, a lot of our high schools don't offer a broad set of courses. You can take them online. That's not what everybody wants. But high schools under this scenario would be able to like specialize and you could have like the best ag program in the region and the Ozarks region and draw kids from different districts. And with them comes their funding, but it would allow high schools to specialize and students to have more choices. And the, you know, the opposition often says the high schools are too far apart. It would allow you to decide if you would like to drive to that other high school, rather than people just saying they're too far apart for you. You can decide if they're too far apart for you. And it would really open up our um, rural high schools, which is something we need to do. We have a paper coming out soon on that issue. And I really hope that that happens. Um, there's one bill that would modify the education savings account program, the one that exists, and would uh, open it up to all schools who qualify across the state, not just students who live in communities of 30,000 or more. I'd like to see that happen. And, oh, there's a bill that I am pretty hopeful about that will fix some of the problems with the Missouri virtual school program called MOCAP. And right now, if you want your child to attend MOCAP, you have to get permission from your child's superintendent, basically principal and superintendent. It, under the, this bill, you would no longer have to ask for permission. 
And it would really fix one of the problems with this uh, legislation, which is that if a child goes to MOCAP full time, their test scores go back into their home district's test scores. So that would fix that. And the MOCAP test scores would be like treated as its own district. And so, you know, superintendents wouldn't have to worry that a child's going to go do terribly at MOCAP and have their scores come back and hurt them while they're paying for it. Ironically, I should point out that last year, the MOCAP students did dramatically better than the students who uh, learned only through their school district's virtual program. So hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about that more in the next couple of weeks. But that's what I'm seeing. There are some parents' bills of rights. There's some transparency, curriculum transparency stuff. But um, the clock is starting to tick. We're in February. So we need to get some of these things into committee hearings, out of committees, and to the full floors. Elias, when we spoke about the session in December, what we thought was going to be a priority, a lot of budget items. And are you surprised by now that we haven't had uh, more movement on budget items like the pay raises for state workers and the like? Uh, I'm not necessarily too surprised. It's it's a pretty difficult process to get uh, all the committees going on some of the spending stuff. I mean, there's a ton of money to be given out this year. Uh, you're looking at billions for uh, education through DESE, you know, so they got to figure out how to give out some of this, um, you know, federal relief money. There's the topic of uh, Medicaid expansion, which is going to be um, certainly uh, divisive. And then, you know, there's this um, pay raise that Governor Parson talked about that you're looking at 5.5% uh, raise for the rest of the year. Um, but when it comes to that, you know, uh, Governor Parson promised something like February 1st for uh, this race to start and getting that going um, every day that the state doesn't approve that, you know, the the amount budgeted for the rest of the year has to change because you're giving these people uh, money, you know, for a shorter amount of time unless they want to try to do something retroactive, which is sort of difficult. So it's kind of a moving target. There's a ton of money to figure out. And that's not even including the rest of the budget, which is going to include uh, tons of other priorities and stuff like that, which there, there is some movement on. You just don't necessarily see it yet because they're kind of reconciling what the governor uh, recommended in his state of the state. He put out his budget request. And so now it's the time uh, for the House and the Senate to go through and figure out what they think uh, should be good for Missouri this year. And we're coming up on some really important deadlines, correct? At least in the in mid-March, end of March. Yeah, there, there are a ton of deadlines. So um, Desi, I think Susan can correct me on this. I think that needs to be appropriated by April 1st, or maybe it's March 1st. $200 million um, that would go straight to Desi, and then another $1.9 billion that would get distributed out to school districts. Yeah, so, so you're talking billions there. Um, in terms of the pay raise, like I mentioned, you know, Governor Parson promised February, but that's not a real deadline. Um, for Medicaid expansion, um, unfortunately, the state's Medicaid program is just going to run out of money because last year the legislature didn't include funding for expansion. And so just the rest of the Medicaid program is going to run out of money at some point. So they will have to appropriate they will have to appropriate some funds for there. And then when it comes to spending some of the other stimulus money, one of the things we uh, found out this past week is that the federal, uh, the final rule for how to spend some of this money, how the um, United States Department of Treasury um, lays out the rules for this stuff, uh, that goes into effect in April. And so if um, Missouri spends some of this money before April, uh, certain rules apply. And if they do it after April, some different rules apply. And in some cases, that's actually gonna be more stringent. So the legislature has to decide 
you know, how quickly can they realistically get stuff moving? And um, as of right now, I'm not too optimistic they're going to be able to do anything too quickly. David, I know your uh, your beat is municipal policy, but is there anything in the first month of the session that has surprised you or disappointed you? Well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm used to disappointment from politicians. That's just sort of comes, comes with, comes with the territory. So now there's some bills that are of great interest to me for the topics that I cover at Trump Institute and that we all cover. Uh, this is as, as usual, there's, as Elias, I think stated, stated earlier, there's just a number. It seems like the, the night of the living dead, when it comes to tax credits and tax subsidies with them coming back with a vengeance this year, you've got Senate Bill 732 and 733, which are two of the worst bills in the session this year. One re-upping the film tax credit that was let expired a decade ago, and one with a new entertainment tax credit. They're both just totally appalling waste of taxpayer money that will accomplish nothing. Uh, we also have, from a municipal perspective, I think the worst bill is HB 2177, which authorizes land banks in uh, just about every city and county in Missouri. Right now, they're limited to St. Louis, Kansas City, and St. Joseph. They've failed in St. Louis, St. Louis and Kansas City. The Kansas City Star just did a big report on the failures of the land bank there. Uh, the St. Joe land bank is very new, but it will fail there. So why we are expanding this failed land bank experiment to the rest of the state is beyond me. So I very much hope that gets defeated. Uh, from a municipal perspective, I think HB 1740, which clarifies even further that St. Louis and Kansas City are not allowed to collect the earnings tax from remote workers working outside of the city of St. Louis or Kansas City. That's a, an excellent bill. Kansas City is not doing that, but St. Louis is being uh, just abusive in their practices of forcing the earnings tax and payroll taxes to be collected on people who are working remotely and no longer working in the city of St. Louis. So this bill is great. AT&T just filed suit a week or so ago to collect, to, to, to obtain the payroll taxes that they've been forced to pay by the city of St. Louis for AT&T employees no longer working inside the city. So I wish AT&T the best of luck in that suit and hope that this bill will, um, to the extent that it involves the earnings tax, help help get the city of St. Louis to realize what they're doing is wrong and and hopefully stop. I want to circle back. Well, as you mentioned, uh, that there's this stimulus money, this recovery money, infrastructure money. There's a lot of money that we have to spend. Up at showmeinstitute.org, we have a document that we put up uh, last week with uh, the institute's suggestions, what we think would be a good use of the money. Um, Elias, if you don't mind, can you kind of run through uh, a couple of your items that you think maybe the legislature can can look at and things that they can, should consider when uh, spending this money? Uh, sure. So there, there are a few things that I think are the top of my list, which would be um, in the state's technological infrastructure um, updates. So what we figured out uh, recently is that there are just a ton of state systems that are incredibly out of date. I think uh, the Department of Social Services, um, their Division of Youth Services, they released their computer system that they're using was made in 1975. The state's, um, the state's Medicaid system, incredibly out of date. 
And what this means is that whenever, you know, something like a pandemic happens, other things happen, the state cannot collect good data, they cannot adjust when they need to, and it's costing taxpayers more money. Um, it's more difficult to maintain. And so there's, uh, there should be money, one-time expenses to kind of help transform the state's uh, data. And going from uh, what Governor Parson has recommended, he seems to be on the same page. It's hard to know exactly how much money it's going to cost to fix some of this stuff. But at least there is some recognition that uh, fixing some of those things is on the table. And I'm hopeful, you know, that it, uh, as with some computer related uh, upgrades, sometimes the cost can get out of hand. So I'm hopeful the state can uh, keep the cost down and do a good job there. But um, looking, at, looking at some other items there, um, you know, there's also, there's also this idea of, you know, Missouri raised the gas tax last year. Um, and there's just been so much money that has come for, uh, there's so much money that has come for the uh, roads and bridges from the federal government. And so I, I think you saw a little bit of this in Jeff City last week where the legislature is trying to look at, um, you know, all this money's coming in. What, what is the best way to be spending this? Because this is more money than MoDOT has gotten, you know, in probably decades. And so this is, you know, figure out what to do with all these projects and maybe maybe that means that you know some priorities from before you know we don't need more money for them right now like right now as far as i can tell uh, from the snowstorm this week the biggest problem is a staffing issue it's not really a money issue and so i think i think with all this money the state is having to kind of readjust its priorities in a lot of things and so hopefully they're figuring that out uh, sooner as opposed to later but i think uh computer systems and uh rethinking the roads are two of the top priorities for me the the MoDOT line over the last couple of days as we sit here after a decent amount of snow in, in Missouri and the St. Louis area in particular uh, was that the staffing issue was a result of low pay. The starting wage for a MoDOT driver, a snowplow driver, was under 15 bucks. Uh, when Parson, Governor Parson, was talking about raising the minimum wage for the state worker, that doesn't automatically apply to MoDOT workers, right? Like those wages don't automatically go up if that budget item is passed, correct? Uh, I think so. There's a little bit of um, compression issues that the, the wage compression that the um, Par Governor Parsons uh, wage increase would address. So I'm not 100% sure how many people at MoDOT are making below what um, Governor Parson was uh, recommending. But even some people that are making around um, that amount would be receiving some some raise there. But um, you know, I, I don't have a good guess for, you know, what private um, industry is making for doing similar, similar tasks. But one of the main talking points you've heard this year is how, how difficult staffing is in Jefferson City, um, a lot of these state agencies. And I'm sure that I'm sure that pay has something to do with it. But um, I, I would be willing to guess there's something else, too. Susan, what should we do with uh all the, the billions of dollars that we're getting. What to, what do you suggest from our, our document? Well, I'm going to first of all make a plug for the website we built, we released this year, which is called mostschoolrankings.org. The um, test scores for the last school year, 2020, 2021, have been released by DESE. I am currently, um, I'm currently relinqu relinquishing my op 
optical health, my eyes are killing me because all I'm doing is looking at uh, the data from 2020, 2021 and getting it organized so that we can update our website. We will be putting the new data on there as soon as we can. It, uh, there's a lot of different sources that have to all come together for that to happen. However, I will tell you they're, they're not good. And um, parents know this, there's a lot of missing data. A lot of kids didn't even take the tests. Desi talked a little bit about the state level scores. We know that only 32% of students in the state scored proficient in math. And we have a lot of work to do. And what I'm hearing, at least anecdotally from parents and from national surveys is that parents want money yesterday for tutoring, for direct tutoring, for small group tutoring, to hire their kid's teacher to be a tutor, to go to Sylvan Learning Centers. I do know parents are going out of pocket and paying for this themselves. And to the extent that the governor and the uh, Senate get together on this supplemental budget and they approve this money, that's $200 million that could be directly given to every child who is at least a grade level behind. That they could, Every family could get $500 or $1,000 to directly go out and get tutoring, and that's what's needed right now. I suspect that that money is going to end up sort of getting uh, buried in like teacher recruitment or professional development or, you know, things that we won't really directly feel the impact of, unfortunately. And the house is on fire. We need to be put putting money towards like fire hoses to put it out. And um, I hope that if they do pass it, if they don't pass it, we'll figure it out without the money. But if they do pass it, I hope they acknowledge that some of that should go directly to families across the state because they're hurting and kids are way behind. And we need to, you know, we need to take it as a Sputnik moment and, and really put all of our efforts into getting kids back on grade level. This could impact this generation of kids, their entire lives that happened in the last pandemic. And we are on year three. And now like St. Louis schools are closed and probably across the state for weather. You know what I mean? Like, we are on our third bad school year and we can't afford much more of this. So I hope that they see that and they give money directly to families. David, you've spoken and written a lot about this money that we have, but also the NFL lawsuit money that St. Louis is getting. So from a uh, municipal standpoint, St. Louis has a trolley that we have to pay for. We won't relitigate that. Um, you've discussed Amtrak, talking about expanding interest. What if David Stokes was the, the budget czar of St. Louis or Kansas City, what are you doing with uh, this chunk of change? I, I've long pro proposed the idea of look, looking at MoDOT have their uh, inability to hire drivers. I think each government should hire essentially a certain number of government workers to be utility players, <laughs> sort of like a baseball team utility player. Cross-training some government people, and this is mostly humorous, but there's a point to it. Cross-training people to do multiple jobs, I think, needs to be done more at, at, government, at government level. Like, why aren't there more state employees trained to drive a snowplow if in an emergency situation? And they don't even have to be MoDOT employees, per se. But why aren't, why aren't more of them trained to do it? Because it's only needed about a couple you know, a few weeks a year, only during about three months of the year at most. So I think more employees at all government levels should be additionally cross-trained to deal with some of these, with some of these emergencies like MoDOT saw with the, with the, with the plowing just now. That said, I mean, what should, if St. Louis and Kansas City and other cities and counties, a lot of them are going for use taxes this April. There's going to be a lot of use tax votes coming here. And 
That's because with the Wayfair legislation passed last year and with various court rulings, you know, now all these cities and counties can have no trouble, legally speaking, collecting online sales taxes. But they have to pass the law at their local level first. They have to have voters approve it. And what I really want voters to think about as voters across the state vote on these use taxes in April is that it's not a bad idea. I mean, expanding the tax base is always a good thing. But I just hope that these governments promise to do it and cut in a revenue neutral way. Because for all these complaints about, oh, they never have enough money, right now, St. Louis City, St. Louis County, Kansas City, I mean, they're just awash in cash between the settlement funds, the stimulus funds, the COVID relief funds, housing values are going up tremendously and that affects property tax, property tax revenues. And rarely do these governments roll back their property tax rates to the level that they should. They always get an increase in some money from these rising home values. So I don't want voters uh, to think, to, I don't want voters to buy it when these cities and counties are, cl are claiming that how desperately they need these funds. Uh, people need to know that they've got plenty of money right now and they need to prioritize it properly. Uh, and we've seen, I mean, Susan has talked well about all the school districts sitting on stimulus funds because they're scared of spending it improperly. So all this money is just sitting in a bank and not doing anything. Well, cities and counties are, are the same thing. And as people approach these use tax votes in April, which is something we're going to talk a lot more about come a March, I think, uh, I want them to know that you should be demanding your local government officials do it in a revenue neutral way. And that's a message I'm going to be saying a lot for the next eight to nine weeks here. And we've spoken about this a lot before, and I suspect we will a lot into the future. Uh, there's just no, it seems like there's no centralized, uh, reliable way to track any of this spending. I mean, this the billions and billions of dollars are going to come into the state and it may be spent, like you said, David, maybe it just sits in a bank account. And in seven years, someone decides like, oh, wait, we, you know, now we can spend that money for. So um, I think that'll be something to watch moving forward is uh, transparency, accountability, and if we can uh, actually see where and how this money's being spent. I think there are time limits on some of it, but I do believe that you're exactly right that five to 10 years from now, it's going to be like, mm, I don't know, what do we spend it on? You know, they're, they're, I think that a lot of it will just fall into the system. I, nationally, uh, with education stimulus money, University of Washington's tracking districts and looking for districts who are spending it on athletic facilities, paving parking lots, hiring teachers, all the things that the Show Me Institute would recommend against doesn't mean it's not happening. What I've seen in Missouri, I will, I got to point out Camdenton, I think it's R4, Camdenton gave back stimulus money, so good for them. Um, but what I'm seeing is it's sitting in, in their balance sheets because there's some rules about how you can spend it. And I think some districts are not wanting to get on the wrong side of that and having to give the money back. So, so I don't know. What, one thing I'm excited about, about this final rule that Elias mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast, but it's, it's my understanding that the federal government has determined that you're not going to be able to use these stimulus funds for new tax credits and economic development tax subsidies. So we, it had gotten a lot of press that states couldn't use the stimulus funds for general tax cuts, uh, but it's exciting and agree or disagree with that, but it's definitely exciting to see the federal government that you cannot take these stimulus funds and give select businesses 
tax cuts in the, under the guise of a tax credit or an economic development tax subsidy, because that would have been subject to unbelievable abuse, uh, favoritism, and, and cronyism. I think there's certainly a good argument that you should be able to use it for general tax cuts for all residents or businesses, uh, but certainly you should not be able to do it to give a few chosen businesses a tax cut and, and stick and keep everybody else high. So that was a very good decision by the federal government in that regard. Yeah, and it did seem like from the governor's state of the state that uh, broadband is is that's a priority that he expanding broadband to um, underserved or unserved areas. And I know Elias and David, you both have spoken about some of the issues and in our document, we go into it, but what are some of the things that the, the state needs to be aware of when undertaking this expanding broadband project? Well, Senate Bill 1074 was just introduced uh, a week or so ago. It's a, a very good bill that uh, I think would be good policy for Missouri. What it really does is it clarifies that the cities and counties can't just get use this stimulus fund to get into the broad ga- broadband game themselves. And, and that if you're going to use these funds to establish broadband, it has to truly be an unserved or underserved area in, in parts of the state. And that it has to be done in conjunction with the private sector for those unserved and underserved areas. You can't, you can't basically use it to just say that, oh, this part of our town has, you know, I'm not, I'm not good with the tech terms, but very slightly less speed than another part of town. So we're going to call them underserved when nobody would actually call that underserved and then spend that money on that. And more importantly, it makes it, it makes it much more difficult for cities to establish their own internet provision companies and start competing with the private sector, which is something that happens too often in, in Missouri. And I'm glad to see this bill being introduced to put a stop to that before it happens. Um, yeah, so so a couple of things I'd add on the broadband issue is, you know, th- this is something where the government has to be very careful about what role they, um, you know, want to play in this in this area. Um, there's a lot of private actors that will be doing, um, be willing to do stuff in here. Uh, there's been money for rural broadband before. I mean, frankly, the reason a lot of this uh, stuff hasn't been built up, you know, look at the rest of Missouri. It's not super easy to build a bunch of lines there. Um, you know, there are better ways to do this, you know, whether that's through cell towers, you know, whatnot. But the same principle just applies to the, all of this money here. Um, just because there's money for broadband, um, if something's difficult, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that the state needs to, if it's not a good idea, the state shouldn't be throwing all this money towards it. There, and there are, you know, as David mentioned, there, there are some ways to kind of give relief to taxpayers. Um, you know, maybe a better way to provide broadband is to give people some money to get, you know, different um, wireless cell service, you know, something like that. Like there, there are ways to think outside of the box within the rules of the federal guidelines that would probably be better than the, um, you know, the typical, okay, well, we have $400 million. Let's, you know, give it to this company to build some stuff that isn't a good idea in the first place. There, there's a lot of room for thinking out of the box. And I hope that's what they're going to be doing in Jeff city. Yeah. Thinking outside the box, Jefferson city. Um, all right, Susan, what uh, are you keeping track of over the next week? Or you can go as far out as you'd like. What are you, what are you keeping track of? Well, mostly the interdistrict choice bill. That hearing is next week. Um, I'd like to see them first go ahead and pass through 
the um, charter school funding fix and then get busy on interdistrict choice. Um, I do believe that the education uh, savings account program is up and running. There's a website, there's a person running it so people can start making donations to it. I'd like to see that happen. And um, and yeah, I, I, I want to make, I want the education committees to be able to make progress and not get caught up in Jefferson City politics. David, what are you watching? Final bill I'm watching on a topic that we haven't touched on yet is SB 735, which has, relates to community improvement districts and transportation development districts, SIDS and TDDs as they're called. This bill would, among other things, make it against the rules to impose a SID or a TDD on groceries, uh, which I think is an, an excellent, excellent idea. Uh, it's, as grocery prices increase, these are ridiculous taxes and getting, getting rid of them from groceries is good all the way around, including up to the fact that it might help stick it to Stan Kroenke as a great abuser of these things as the team gets ready to play in the Super Bowl this weekend, in, in uh, a, basically in a week from now. And Elias, what are you watching? Uh, so, so a few things. As I mentioned earlier, uh, there's some discussion about what to do with the gas tax that was passed last year. So this week, there's a hearing on uh, whether that should be repealed. And one reason I'm keeping an eye on that is, you know, when we're talking about giving out all this money, uh, there's a lot of talk about what state departments want. Um, and, but there's not as much discussion about what happens if they don't get some money. And at a lot of times, the what happens when they don't get a certain amount of money is more illuminating than uh, what they want to spend money on. Um, and then second, I think uh, there's another bill that is pretty close to uh, something David's interested in, which is um, allowing schools to opt out of uh, TIF. TIF uh, opt essentially they can opt an area of land out of a TIF deal, and that um, is especially important when there's residential components to TIFs because you're essentially allowing uh, new students to come into schools without uh, the money to pay for them. And I think it's a great idea that, um, you know, some schools would get an, uh, more of a say in this process. And that's one thing that this legislative session, there seems to be a priority in. And so I, I'm watching it and I'm hopeful that that moves forward. All right. As always, plenty more at showmeinstitute.org. Susan, Elias, David, thank you very much. <laughs>